0: everybody. Welcome back to Truck Tales, our podcast for Food Truck Ventures, our website. Please let us know if you have any story ideas or have any questions. We're at foodtruckventures.com slash streets, S-T-R-E-A-T-S. Hi, everybody. Anne Marie Eigner with Truck Tales, our podcast for Food Truck Ventures. Um, And we're actually pretty excited about this uh, interview that we're about to do because um, we've been chasing this woman for a while. She's a writer, content writer for Must Have Menus, and um, which is in, in itself an interesting uh, website. Um, and she's written a story: Six Keys to Starting a Successful Food Truck. I'm pleased to have me have join me. Excuse me. I'm pleased to have Megan Prevost join us now um, uh, from Must Have Menus. Megan, thank you. I know you've been very busy. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. And um, tell us a little bit about why you did this story in the first place.
1: Of course. Um, And thank you so much for having me. So my job at Must Have Menus, we do outreach to other blogs. And we can just choose whatever topics to write about. And food trucks are something that's very interesting to me. I'm really into the alternative Uh, methods of of dining like food trucks and ghost kitchens and all that kind of stuff Um, so I chose to write this for a publication called QSR which I really love working with Um, they didn't have very much food truck content so that's why I chose to write this piece for them and I feel like starting a food truck should be more accessible like the information you need to start one Um, so that's why I laid out these steps
0: and it's all in one place which is also really helpful usually we have to uh send our, our food truck friends all over the place trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. So um I, I we appreciate that. I also known that see that you um have been tracking the food truck industry um and it is growing I see. Um you want to talk a a moment about that before we get into the one, two threes?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um the food truck industry has definitely been growing. Um, more and more people just don't want to dine in restaurants because of the pandemic. Uh, so outdoor events and just places where food trucks would normally be are more popular because you can order your food and then eat it wherever you want, whether it's in a park or bringing it home. It's just so much more flexible and people really prefer that these days.
0: And and you say that, the um, according to the article that you've written, that the food truck industry has grown by about eight percent. Is that still yes. still applicable? Yes, it is. Um, okay, so um, if our listeners or our friends anywhere are thinking about starting a, a food truck uh, as a new business, um, let's use your quick guide. You're one, two. I think you have six six um, things to, to share with with people about what they need to keep in mind if they're thinking about doing that. Course. Okay, so what's number one, two, and three, and four, and five, six?
1: All right, do you want me to go with Yes, that? please. Okay, so the first step you're going to need to accomplish is obviously like coming up with your idea. Why do you want to open a food truck, and what's your concept? Um, having like a fully fledged brand um, that's cohesive and strong is very important. Like if you think about really popular brands like McDonald's or any any big name brand, you can easily recognize them from pretty much anywhere. So you wanna start building that brand for your, for your food truck right from the beginning. And that includes like coming up with your concept, whether it's like the type of food you wanna serve Um, And like your design strategy, all that stuff is really important from the beginning. So you're building that strong base. Um, And then you also want to look at the market and where your food truck is going to fit in. Like, are there a lot of Mexican food trucks in your area or a lot of like pizza? Like, what is your area missing and how can your food truck add to the market?
0: I think it's also interesting that you're, you're, at least to me, Um, that your last your number six I'm going to steal a little bit of thunder here Uh, your last um, recommendation rule um, is this menu and the food and usually that's where at least in our experience where um, inquiries come you know we have a great idea for a donut truck um, and they they haven't gone through the other five steps that you're recommending so what's number two
1: Number two is going to be uh, writing out your business plan. So your business plan is incredibly important to your business. You need to plan out everything that you're gonna do, including um, your market analysis, how it's gonna be managed, what your menu might look like, how you're gonna market, how you're going to, um, where you're going to have your food truck be located. how much you think you're going to make and how you're going to get that funding all of that information is going to go into your business plan section by section and you're going to use that business plan not only to guide you through creating your business but also you can use it as a way to get funding from like uh, banks investors that kind of stuff
0: um you mentioned funding uh it, it i'm just going to run some numbers by you and tell me if this is the number or these are the numbers that uh, that you see too, for somebody who wants to start a food truck, <clears throat> because clearly um, it is less expensive to start a food truck than it is to start a brick and mortar. So if somebody's looking for an entry point into the dining industry, um, what are what are the basic numbers? Are you familiar with those?
1: I am not familiar with the numbers specifically.
0: Um, okay, um, we'll pass we'll go by that. but you, when you're talking about funding, Um, Are you assuming that most people who want to start a food truck would need some funding support?
1: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people who want to start a food truck or even a brick and mortar usually don't have a ton of money saved up just because they don't understand from the beginning how expensive it's going to be. So either they need to make a plan to save up some money or they need to make a plan to figure out their funding process.
0: To get some money, get some money somehow. Yeah. So that's number three funding. Um, Number four.
1: Number four is one of the most important. Obviously, you have to figure out where you're going to get your food from and where you're going to get your equipment from. And that includes your food truck. Obviously, a very vital part of your business. Um, There's so many questions you have to ask yourself during this period, Um, just talking about equipment and just talking about a food truck, are you going to rent one? Are you going to buy one? Uh Are you going to get a used vehicle? Are you going to get a new vehicle? Um, are you going to outfit it yourself with all the equipment, or are you going to purchase from a food truck dealer that already has it outfitted? There's just so much you have to think about during this section, especially dealing with what your budget is and how much you're willing to spend on these things, because there are so many different options.
0: Um, I don't want our listeners to think that they should, they have to be writing this all down, um, because we will let you know how to find this article. Um, and how to find this uh, somewhere? Or the information that Megan is uh, is sharing with us. It's Megan Privos. She is a content writer um, for um, I keep forgetting Must Have Menus, um, and uh, she's written an article on um, how to how to get into the food truck industry. Really, all right. So you have two more two more recommendations, a fifth and a sixth one.
1: Yes. So number five we've got licenses and permits before you can sell food or park your food truck anywhere you're going to need to figure out how to get those permits and licenses for your business so some of that includes like a business license a food service license, employee health permits, mobile food facility permits, and zoning and parking permits. And all of that stuff is going to differ depending on what state you're in. So you'll have to look at your local jurisdiction to figure out exactly which permits you need in order to run your food truck. And then, of course, if you're going to be selling alcohol, you'll need the permits for that as well.
0: And in Massachusetts, we're, we we repeat this quite often that There are 352 cities and towns in in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and there are 352 different sets of regulations, um, because that's how complicated it is to deal with it, depending on where you are, uh, to deal with the local community. So that number five is extremely important and very complicated. Um, And then number six, we alluded to number six a little earlier.
1: Right. So number six is obviously going to be deciding what you want to sell. You create a sample menu earlier in your uh, business plan, where you talk about what you might want to include later on your menu. But now is the time to flesh out exactly what's going to be on your menu and what your menu is going to look like. So must have menus is a company that uh, offers menu templates for all types of restaurants, including food trucks. Uh, we do like takeout menu templates, dine in menu templates, even like digital menu boards. So, depending on the type of menu you want for your food truck, uh, must have menus is a great way to get like an easy template without having to spend all that time designing one yourself. And we have tons of options to choose from. Um, But the reason that's so important is because your menu, along with your brand image, is the thing that's going to make the first impression on your customers. If you're in a festival full of different food trucks, you need something that's going to help you stand out, and that's going to be your design, as well as your menu that's really going to pull people in. And then, of course, what's going to keep them around is the fact that your food is actually
0: delicious. Of course. Um, I want to say that I did check out your site. It's Must have menus, as we've yes. been saying it rather quickly. Um, and, and it's must have menus. I did check it out. Um, I actually thought that we should be sharing your information with our food trucks. I didn't know you existed. So I think this is very helpful information. And we, uh, we uh, I'm delighted that I found you. Um, yeah. How can people find uh, your six recommendations, six keys to starting a successful food truck?
1: Sure. It's going to be on QSR, um, and I believe the website for that. Let me double check really quick. Yes. Okay. So it's going to be on qsrmagazine.com, and you can either search for it or search for my name. That'll come up. Um, I believe they have some other good content on food trucks there as well.
0: Great. Um, It's Megan Prevost, P-R-E-V-O-S-T, Um, I can't thank you enough um, for for taking the time. I know you're very busy because I've been chasing you for several weeks, Um, but she's written six keys to starting a successful food truck. The reason I like this article, I've seen obviously many over the last uh, a few years uh, of recommendations for starting a food truck, how to get into the food truck industry. But this was the most concise and the most uh, thoughtful, uh, set of rules. And I, I really, um, that's why, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you. So I'm, I'm really delighted that you were, uh, were able to take a little time to join us. Um, and, uh, anybody that needs further information should check out your article on qsr.com or qsr magazine, I guess it is, right? Yes. Okay. Megan Prevost, we thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us on Truck Tales.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad we
0: finally got the opportunity to talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're back at Truck Tales, which is a production of Food Truck Ventures. Um, And um, our podcast, uh, we update uh, trends and issues and profiles from time to time. Uh, You just heard um, someone's, uh, an expert's uh, writer uh, take on how to run a successful food truck. Um, one of the things that gets in the way of success around the country, for certainly for as long as I've been involved with, with food trucks, is the pushback not only from local communities. Uh, you've often heard me say that there are 352 cities and towns in, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and there are 352 different sets of regulations um, and rules uh, as they pertain to food trucks. We're lucky enough now to be speaking with somebody who took a really close look at um, the, not only the state of the food truck industry nationally, but also the impact of food trucks on the restaurant industry which we often uh, hear local health officials and others uh, concerned about when it pertains to food trucks. We're speaking to um, Dr. Dick Carpenter a co-author of a report called, which I definitely caught my attention, "Are Food Trucks Harming the Restaurant Industry?" Dr. Carpenter uh, conducted us. He's the uh, senior director of strategic research at the Institute for Justice. Uh, welcome, Dr. Carpenter, and thanks for taking a, a few minutes to talk with us.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: So, tell us basically what prompted your study and then we can get into what you found and, and what the results are
2: yes so our work at the institute for justice um, my team conducts original research in support of our litigation efforts ij is a law firm and for a number of years now we have represented owners of food trucks and other vendors who want to begin businesses but are prevented or their the process of doing so is made extremely difficult by city or county and sometimes state regulations. So we've represented these individuals to try to help them overcome and if possible to overturn these regulations that hinder the ability of individuals to open their vending businesses including food trucks. So this research was uh, completed as part of our larger effort in representing food truck owners and vending owners. The research in particular grew out of a very brief analysis that The Economist magazine did several years ago. We saw that analysis, the results looked very interesting, but we realized, ah, we could actually expand on that and make that even stronger to look at the the alleged harm that food trucks cause on restaurants. And that really was the motivation behind the report. As you mentioned, In our work, we constantly hear that food trucks harm restaurants in various different ways, but the most significant harm is that it causes restaurants to go out of business. So we turned that into a testable question, and that's how the research came into existence.
0: And clearly, we want to know, we're going to save the best for last, but we want to know what you found, but we hear it all the time, all the time. Um, Is it So let's get into what you found and how you conducted your research, because I think it's really important. We're speaking to Dr. Uh, Dick Carpenter from the Institute for Justice, um, and we'll certainly share with our listeners how they can find out more about what you found in this report. But tell us a little bit about how you conducted the research and, of course, what you found out.
2: Sure. So let's not bury the lead. What what we found was that food trucks do not harm restaurants. And in fact, there's some evidence to suggest that food trucks may be complementary to restaurants. So how did we come to that finding? We, like The Economist Magazine, we went out and gathered 12 years of data from the Census Bureau at the county level on the number of food trucks per county and the number of restaurants per county. And then we looked at the trends over time so we were essentially saying as food trucks increase and they did as the trend of food trucks increases over time what does the trend of restaurants do over time if food trucks harm restaurants we should expect to see that the number of restaurants would decline as the number of food trucks increase and we did so by Strengthening the work that The Economist magazine did by turning that into almost a causal estimate, by looking at the number of food trucks in a given year compared to, to the number of restaurants in the subsequent year. So that if a food truck is harming a restaurant, you wouldn't expect to see it in the same year. You'd expect to see it in the next
0: year. You'd expect, And you'd expect so, the numbers to be going down.
2: That's exactly right. But what we found was that's not, in fact, happening. Food trucks did increase over time. And so did restaurants. The number of restaurants did increase over time during our period, looking at uh, 2005 through 2016. So that tells us that there is no significant harm, no, um, no statistical harm being caused. Now, let's be clear. Restaurants do go out of business. And sometimes they will go out of business as a result of the growth of food trucks. But restaurants also go out of business because other restaurants move into a market. So what we see is that, yes, there may be a fluctuation in the number of restaurants in any given county at any given time, but it doesn't appear to be linked to the growth in food trucks. And in fact, when you look at the number of restaurants and the number of food trucks in any given county, what you see is the average number of restaurants per county in the United States is 145 the number average number of
0: food trucks per county is one. Uh, so, I, I, w- I was shocked by that number. I really was. Uh, mainly yes. because my experience has been that, obviously, uh, it, it's a whole new industry, of course, and restaurants are not a whole new industry. Um, but when you're talking about today's food trucks as opposed to the old canteen trucks, um, I mean, we saw in 2012 or 11 or 12 when we started, uh, we could only find eight trucks in the Greater Boston area, um, and today we in in the Greater Boston area. And obviously, things have changed from the pandemic. But uh, we probably have two hundred and fifty three hundred, and that's down from six hundred that we had before the pandemic. So um, shocking. I, I mean, honestly, I haven't ever looked at the numbers of restaurants, uh, but it's pretty shocking that the restaurant industry continues to grow fine, just fine. Um, whereas the food truck industry, I thought, was growing in in a parallel way. But you're saying that's not true.
2: Well, the food truck industry is growing, um, and it's, it's not parallel because the growth in food trucks is actually sharper. It's steeper than the growth of restaurants. And I think that goes back to something you just said a moment ago. The restaurant industry is very old the food truck industry, although vending is as old as our country. Actually, the history of vending goes back before.
0: To the old food carts, the carts on the street, right?
2: That's right, exactly right. So, vending has a long history in the United States and pre-United States, but it went in. It became very moribund as an industry for many years, but then with the Great Recession of 2009, there was a sharp increase in vending, and that's continued since then. So, Vending has saw a sharp increase, food trucks, a sharp increase over time. Um, and it's sharper than restaurants, but restaurants have continued to grow.
0: So how do you deal with this finding? Um, let me just say again that we're speaking with Dr. Carpenter, who um, is behind a study, actually a pretty lengthy study, many years study, um, uh, are food trucks harming the restaurant industry? And um, he's saying au contraire. Uh, How do we now then take that information? Um, If we're not attorneys, which you are, um, how do we deal with health officials and locals Uh, and restaurants and the restaurants, especially now after the pandemic, uh, the restaurants are concerned and they are in the sort of in the, I I think, the throes of reinventing themselves. We have always contended that food trucks are just another dining option. They're not competitive with anybody, really. They're just another way to grab a meal if you're looking for a meal. Um, but what, what, how do we now use the information that you found uh, to deal with, um, with local health departments around the country, really?
2: Yes. Let me actually comment just a moment on something you said a moment ago, and that is that they may not be competitive. Um, we found, our second finding from the study was that they may in fact be complementary because the re, the number of food trucks in a given county in one year is related to the number of restaurants in the same year in the same county. So that suggests that these things may in fact be complementary rather than directly competitive, and there are various different reasons why that is. So one of the takeaways from this is now to your question is to help educate those who are in the decision-making capacity about regulations that affect food trucks. There is this prevailing myth that food trucks harm restaurants. And you will hear this from restaurant owners, the restaurant associations, from allies who are elected officials. Even if you were to ask the man on the street or the woman on the street, they probably would say, oh yeah, if a food truck and, Park in front of a restaurant, surely that must harm the restaurant. But our research actually says that's not the case. So there's an education campaign that can can, can be uh, instituted with research like this to help elected officials in particular, city officials, county officials, understand that these things are not um, directly competitive and that these can, in fact, be complementary. More specifically at, at IJ, we work to try to eliminate what we call protectionist regulations, regulations that are adopted for the purpose of protecting restaurants from food trucks. So we work to try to eliminate those particular types of regulations. This is not to say that we think restaurant or food trucks should be unregulated. Instead, we're saying food trucks should play by the same rules that restaurants do when it comes to regulation and eliminate those that are strictly
0: protection. So you're I, and I've had the 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 uh, advantage of reading more about what your report says. And I believe you said and you just said it, um, they should follow the food trucks should follow the same rules. And that is making sure they're healthy, safe, clean, uh, et cetera, which we and the food trucks would want anyway. Who would want to serve bad food or unsafe food, they'd be out of business. So um, we certainly support that. But there is a real resistance uh, on the part of health departments. um, And I think you've got a big battle ahead of you. Uh, I I joined that battle. And I think our trucks in uh, certainly in New England would would, uh, definitely support that battle. Um, I'd look forward to having a little more ammunition. So please share uh, all the pointers you can. And uh, we'll certainly um, take them to our health departments in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and uh, some of the neighboring states. I'll give you an example in, and I've already alluded to the 352 different sets of regulations in Massachusetts. In Rhode Island, you need one permit, one permit. And you can go, you can uh, vend uh, and operate anywhere as long as you have that permit, um, that state health permit. So I'm not not sure that uh, all states will ever get to that level. Um what do, what do you think your goal would be um in, in general?
2: I think that's a, a laudable goal what you described with Rhode Island. There are other states that have similar systems, statewide systems, and there are some states that are working toward those systems. And frankly, we're working in those states to try to make that happen. We're active. We have a team of of attorneys on on a legislative team that work within state legislatures. And this is one of the things that we're actively doing in some states. So that that would be a laudable goal that states would create such systems that standardize across all of their municipalities. Rhode Island is one of them. Um, and And they take different versions, by the way. I should mention this. One version is like what you mentioned with Rhode Island, where there's a statewide permit uh, Arizona has one of those as well. There's a different version, however, um, this is something that Utah has where the state requires that there's reciprocity and soon a new law, if it's, if it's adopted, is going to change reciprocity to recognition, but that's even better. But the idea is that if you are permitted or licensed in one municipality or one county, that license or permit is recognized by all the other municipalities. So that's a variation on the theme accomplishing very much the same thing. One of the criticisms, one of the reasons that city officials or county officials oppose these types of standardizations, there are a couple of reasons actually why they do. One of them is quite frankly, a loss of revenue. These permitting systems, are a revenue source for counties or for cities or both so that when you go in and file your permit or fill out your application, inevitably you're going to have to pay a fee of $25, $35, whatever happens to be.
0: can't be a very large source of, of revenue.
2: No, it's not a large source of revenue. But keep in mind that some of the towns and cities that we're talking about, most, when you look at the, the, the census data on municipalities in the United States, the average size municipality in the U S is about 5,000 population. We have this impression that the United States is dominated by large cities. When in fact the United States is dominated by small cities and in these small cities, the budgets are of course, small. So any small source of revenue is still an important source of revenue in the eyes of city or county officials. So, they often oppose these because they lose the revenue, and it's a loss of power as well uh, when these statewide permits are created.
0: I think so, the set the, it, the set we run into the second uh, issue a lot more often. I believe the trucks would be happy to pay the twenty five thirty dollars for a permit. So it's not about the money; it's about the demands and the and the. Um, the, it's not even oversight because I don't even think that that at least the trucks that I'm familiar with uh, mind the oversight they certainly want to be safe um and uh you know certainly are happy <laughs> it, 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 once they get their permit. It's the constant um challenging uh that they and the constant what's the word um n- nervousness fear that they're not doing the right thing. Um, instead of the kind of support that you're you seem to be um, advocating,
2: And also, elected officials have constituencies in the form of restaurant owners,
0: yes, who pay who pay a lot of a lot more in taxes for yes. sure. Yeah, we run into that as well. Um, and I, I can't argue with that. Um, yes, of course, we we hear it. But you're right. Then we counter with yes, but the but the uh, trucks pay permit fees. Um, they pay
2: permit fees, and in, in some, in many cities, or at least some cities, uh, the trucks are also having to pay taxes in the form of of uh, of rents, and taxes are part of the rents that they pay when they have to rent a commissary or a commercial kitchen space. Which they,
0: which, which in, they in Massachusetts they have to, that's, that's, yeah, the, that's the rule. are exactly right,
2: and they, have, yeah. they obviously have to store their, uh, their truck or their cart. Sometimes they can do that at home, but many times they have to store that in some sort of commercial space, um, a storage unit or something Correct. like that. So it's not as though they don't pay taxes. They, in fact, pay taxes. And in fact, we... I um, have another report that came out several years ago looking at this very question using New York City as the example. and We found that uh, the vendors in New York City pay enormous amounts of money in taxes that people just don't realize.
0: Do you think that, um, and, and I, I told you I would keep this short and here it is very long. I, I'm fascinated <laughs> by what you do and what you've done and what you found. Uh, and we'll share how people can find out more about you in just a moment. But did the pandemic Uh, Change any of what you... uh, Or or challenge any of what you found?
2: Pause, hold on.
0: No problem. I have a barking dog in the back, so... She's decided to to make herself known.
2: Okay, that's my fax uh, machine. Um, Okay, so... The pandemic did not change. We see in the data that there, uh, there may be a slight dip as a result. Actually, I'm going to start that over. Sorry.
0: Go ahead. Uh, let me just, uh, I just want to tell my editor where he needs to edit. Okay, go ahead. So I'll ask the question again. Yeah. So did the pandemic change any of what you found? Uh, and, and if so, how?
2: It We... The data that we use didn't actually span into the pandemic. So we don't know if the pandemic would have changed the data in any way. What we expect, however, when we look at the pattern in the data that we have, and we look at the the period around the recession, we see that there was a slight dip in the number of restaurants and the number of food trucks during that period. Um, And then an expansion in both sectors after that, I would fully expect the same thing would be true during the period of the pandemic as well. That there's going to be some kind of dip, and then after that, there's going to be growth.
0: Well, we certainly know that we've lost a lot of our um, our our food trucks. They're all small businesses, um, and they only had they they didn't have many mar, much of a margin uh, to to work against. Uh, but the restaurants as well were struggling, and and we're hoping that as uh, as the pandemic leaves us, hopefully, um, The both industries will come back. This has been fascinating, Dr. Carpenter. I can't thank you enough. Uh, please tell our, we're talking to Dr. Dick Carpenter, uh, co-author of um, a report on whether food trucks are harming the restaurant industry. Um, and I'd like to share with our listeners um, how they can find out more about not only the, the Institute for Justice, uh, but also this report.
2: Yes, you can go to our website. That's ij.org, ij.org. Once there, if you want to find our research, there's going to be a link there for our research and you'll see all of our reports listed there. And I'm going to, I plugged one already that looked at the vending industry, the demographics of the vending industry using New York City as one example.
0: I'm I'm going to, I'm going to be back to you on that one at some point. We'll do another interview.
2: I'm going to mention just one other one because this is something. This is something that is related to something you mentioned a moment ago. We had a study several years ago that looked at food inspe- that looked at inspection reports of food trucks over time and uh, restaurants over time, and we found that in fact there was no significant difference in food safety between food trucks and restaurants in uh, major different cities around the country. So you might be interested in that study, which you can find Uh, on our website. Very
0: interested, um, but I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, But um, you're very interested. We've also claimed, first of all, a food truck is this big and can be easily inspected, whereas a restaurant is much larger and may not be so easily inspected. Um, And because food trucks are so, um, what's the word, hyper-inspected, um, we've always claimed that the food trucks, for the most part, not, it's not an exact science, but are, are for the most part as safe, if not sometimes safer than restaurants. That's
2: exactly what our report found. How Thank about you. that?
0: <laughs> How about that? I can join the team. We're very, very lucky to have found you. I had been chasing you for a while. Um, and uh, now that i found you, I probably won't let you go so easily. i very interested in what you do. Um, and I think our, our listeners will share that as well. And if uh, any of our food truck listeners are interested in learning more, they can go to ij.org. And um, you may be hearing from some of them. You'll certainly be hearing from me.
2: That's terrific. We'd love to hear from anyone who's interested, has questions. That'd be great.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Ann Marie Eigner on food tr- on truck tales for Food Truck Ventures. And we're uh, delighted to have found you, Dr. Carpenter. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure, thank you.
0: Well, that's it for this edition of Truck Tales. Please stay in touch with us and let us know if you have any story ideas or interesting people that uh, we should contact. And if you want more information about our various programs at Food Truck Ventures, check us out, foodtruckventures.com slash streets, spelled S-T-R-E-A, and you'll find more information about our neighborhood streets program. If you want a food truck in your neighborhood with uh, all ordering done online in advance, or if you have a PTO or nonprofit that would like to raise some money uh, using food trucks, that's our Streets for Schools program. Also at foodtruckventures.com/slash streets. And if you are a corporation looking to do something nice for your employees or something different, check us out. Food Trucks to Go, FT, the number two, two g Also, foodtruckventures.com slash streets. We're delighted that you joined us this time. Please stay in touch with us in the future. Um, and, of course, stay healthy.